It's time for more facts about the Vax. Tried and true. On this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it is my pleasure and privilege to come to you every week uh, with new and hopefully cutting-edge information for you, my listeners, uh, as ambassadors of heaven. Uh, We are needing to learn how to talk to the world, how to uh, interact with the world, and uh, and that's part of my heart in this podcast. Uh, I wear many hats. I'm a, a minister, and we have a family ministry, but I'm also a full-time physician working in the emergency department, which gives me, I think, a unique perspective on many different things that has been that have been going on uh, in this world these days, which has been tremendous and varied and uh, unprecedented in so many ways. And I just told my son the other day that he'll be telling his grandkids about the time in which we're living right now, uh, because it is so unusual uh, and uh, and somewhat dangerous and. Uh, we, as uh, as ambassadors of heaven, we have the answer. We are the ones who are supposed to go to heaven and represent heaven here on this earth. And so it's a privilege to come to you every week and share my heart. Um, I don't have the, the corner on all knowledge, uh, but I do want to begin having discussions with you. And, and that's been so important after, uh, as I'm over halfway through my second season of this podcast to hear your feedback. And I, I teased last time and last, uh, podcast that there have been many pastors who have actually contacted me. Um, what I'm going to be talking about, uh, this is probably going to be a, a two part, um, facts about the vax, uh, this, this week and next week as well, um, because I've been accumulating some of these questions from the pastors, and maybe I've waited too long because now I have so much that I need to talk about. It's probably going to be two sessions uh, to actually do this. I'm keeping my eye on some of the abortion legislation that's been going on and what's before the Supreme Court, uh, and there's exciting things uh, happening there as well. So a lot of things to get to here in the next month for sure. Uh, I have been... Uh, on the front lines, and I and I say that um, because I am an emergency room physician, and I've been dealing with this COVID deal for the last two years. And I'm not going to lie to you, my listeners. Um, I'm getting a little burned out. It's been it's been rough. We've been busy. Um, we've had the busiest month in October that we've ever had in the emergency department, and hospitals are full, ICUs are full, uh, and it's been bad. And uh, it's it's been, uh, as I share a little bit about my patient that I took care of in the ER at a previous podcast this month, it's been like that almost every shift. And and I, I'm confident to say that this is still a pandemic of the unvaccinated. 
And I know that uh, it's been uh, requiring some bravery to talk about the vaccine, especially in our current culture, because there's been such wide ranges of opinions on both sides. And that really has been the heart of these messages I've been getting from pastors. I, I'm going to refer to four pastors who have written uh, notes to me over the past several months uh, that I want to answer. But I probably have talked to 10 other pastors uh, and their concerns that they've had regarding uh, what's been going on and the position uh, that they're in, which is often between a rock and a hard place, <laughs> is the position that they're in. Now, I'm going to say this, and I've said this a million times on my podcast. I'm going to say it again. I am not for a government mandate. I think it's foolishness. I think it's 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 a bad look uh, for the government to move in and try to mandate a vaccine for their citizenry. Um on the other hand, I do feel like companies, businesses, even churches should have freedom to mandate vaccinations for the safety of their people and their employees. I think freedom goes both ways. And so we can't, uh, we can't say we don't want a mandate from the government and say that private companies and entities can or cannot do what they feel is best as well. You know, we have this balancing act, and I had an hour discussion with my son the other day about the balance between liberty and safety, and and citing many different examples both ways. And, and my son made it very clear that a lot of times when we give up our liberty, it's a slippery slope, and, uh, and, and we can be very... Um, we can be lulled into an environment by the government where the government gets more and more power. And I believe that's dangerous and unhealthy. And so I'm not in favor of government mandates. I do believe that there are things, however, uh, the example I used is, you know, the TSA travel. Um, when we go in line to fly on an airplane after 9-11, uh, we get examined. They go through our personal belongings. We might even get frisked. And all of that is an insult to our personal liberty. However, I don't look at it as an insult. I look at it as a service. And so when the man in front of me is getting frisked, I don't really feel that bad for him. I'm thankful that he's getting frisked because he's going to be on the airplane with me. And I want it to be safe for myself and for my family. And so there are some liberties that we give up for the safety. And flying on an airplane is an optional activity. I don't have to fly on an airplane. It's not a God-given right. It's something, it's an optional activity. We have speed limits um, where... We can't just do whatever we want behind the wheel of a car. Drinking alcohol and driving a car are both legal um, activities, believe it or not, but you can't do them both at the same time. You can't drive under the influence because it's unsafe for me and my family. And so we lose some liberty to maintain some safety. And so we do it all of the time. And this idea of mandating vaccines has actually not been a new thing for us. We've been doing it. Colleges have been doing it uh, in and out of countries, uh, traveling, uh, those types of situations. We've been doing it all the time. And, uh, and so we have to see that this is just another layer, another example. Um, and uh, for instance, uh, if somebody comes into a business with a loaded gun, uh, there are some businesses that don't allow that and they don't allow that because of the safety of their employees and people and clients. And so, 
as strong as words as this sounds, I see as an emergency room physician, I see the COVID virus somewhat like a loaded gun. For some people, it is a fatal uh, uh, fatal environment that they are in when a COVID virus could easily and very easily take their life. And that's not everybody. And it's for the huge majority of the population, that is not the case, but for some it is. And so I don't believe a government mandate is, is a good idea. I think it's a huge mistake politically and it's just a bad look. The government should educate, inform, maybe even persuade, but not mandate. And so I want to be very clear about that. But I do believe that private companies and entities do have that right. It just kind of goes without without saying that healthcare facilities, um, when people are coming for the care, that they know that their employees are safe and vaccinated and can't be transmitting a deadly virus, especially when taking care of cancer patients, elderly patients, vulnerable patients. So it's a tough conversation, and I agree with my son that we do have to be very careful this slippery slope, and that the government, I believe, should stay out of it. And I believe that there can be enough, uh, policing is the bad, is a bad word, but enough oversight uh, by private citizens that I believe that we can handle this ourselves without government intervention. I really believe that. So I want to get into the questions from pastors. Um, and these are direct questions with concerns, and, and I, I'm... I'm not going to use the name of the pastors in this regard because I know it's sensitive and some of these are local. And, and so I will not mention any names, but I think it, it carries a important conversation about what people are feeling and, and where pastors are uh, in all of this. So from a personal note of this pastor, uh, he writes, in my opinion, for me and my family, the risk outweighs the reward. I got COVID in April and will admit it was horrible for me. It was the sickest I can ever remember being in my life, but my kids were hardly affected. My wife was a little low on energy and had a slight fever for a few days. And so I just want to comment about this. I mean, he is referring to the risk of the vaccine, Uh, but this has been a frustration for me as I continue to uh, respond to various questions that nobody refers to the risk of the virus itself which is extremely high. And he even admits that he was terribly and horribly sick. And so my question to this writer is, when does the risk not outweigh the the benefit of the vaccine? And what would he have to experience? Blood clots, heart damage, um, maybe even death. I mean, his family would necessarily would, could possibly have to experience those things. And that is what I see. This is my experience as an ER physician, is that this is a deadly virus causing serious problems. This is a an, a cellular damage from an organic level that causes severe respiratory distress. And so there is severe risk in doing nothing. And that's what nobody seems to be talking about. They're very concerned about the vaccine, which I would like to convince you is safe and effective and the answer to this pandemic. But nobody is talking about the 5 million people worldwide who have died from this virus. We have to address both sides. And so it's okay to say, well, I'm uncomfortable with the vaccine, but then you also have to be comfortable with those not getting the vaccine 
and potentially succumbing to it, the virus itself. He goes on to say, I've heard firsthand from several people that were pregnant and everything was going fine. And then after a month of getting the vaccine, they miscarried. When someone like Dr. Zelenko mentions that over 80% of people that get the vaccine will, will have a miscarriage and or have problems with getting pregnant, I start hearing about people that I know that this has happened to and it raises red flags. So I don't have time to go into Dr. Zelenko on great detail, but I have. I've actually researched him. I've actually listened to him even with an open mind. And I believe that his, um, his claims are very outrageous, actually, and not substantiated. And we can just take this as a perfect example. So he's saying 80% of people that get the vaccine will miscarry, uh, or there will be a significant infertility issue. Well, my friends, we have been dealing with COVID over two years. We've been dealing with the vaccine for almost a year. And guess what? Fertility rates have not decreased. Miscarriage rates have not increased. 80%, that should be a pretty significant increase. And so there have been claims and there has been fear that have been propagated that is simply unsubstantiated and coming really from nowhere or no facts. And so we should have already seen this. We're actually living on the other side of this test tube, as it were, that we can actually see what has been happening. And if Dr. Zelenko's claims are true, we should already be seeing a change in this number. And we aren't. They've stayed exactly the same. And in fact, while everybody else was social distancing, a lot of people probably haven't been. And we could actually expect a little bit of a baby boom, if you know what I mean. <laughs> because people have been more homeward bound. And, and so the facts simply aren't ferreting this out at all. And so we need to look at this. We don't have to try to guess. And I really feel strongly that when this turns out to be untrue, that Dr. Zelenko needs to be held accountable for these claims that he has made. It doesn't mean he has to be perfect or right in everything that he says, nor am I. But if he is wrong about making such, such huge claims that have brought a bunch of fear and misinformation to people, then he needs to be accountable for that. And he needs to be honorable and stand up and say, on that point, I was wrong. He said, you get the vaccine and still may get COVID regardless. Still have to wear masks, still have to social distance, still going to get any variant of COVID. Aren't vaccines supposed to prevent all this stuff if it works? My kids got the chickenpox vaccine and guess what? They've never gotten chickenpox. I got the MMR shot when I was a teen. And I've never gotten measles, mumps, or rubella. Those are the vaccines that have been tried and true and work. Well, this is a very interesting point, and I want to dive into this just a little bit deeper because, first of all, all of those vaccines that he mentioned, including chickenpox, MMR, etc., uh, were not tried and true at first. They all had to be started someplace. And I believe, and this will be the claim that I'm going to have to be hold, held accountable for, is that COVID will be tried and true as well. I think history will look back. I think it already is looking back and saying that this vaccine actually saved millions upon millions of lives and has been safe and effective. So the other significant point to this is he's talking about the chickenpox vaccine and then and the MMR vaccine, and they're saying that we've never gotten MMR or chickenpox. And the reason is, is because everybody got the vaccine. <laughs> 
in high percentages and proportions. And so he's actually making a position for getting the COVID vaccine, not against it. The reason we're still having to wear masks and social distance and reason that there are variants is because not enough people are vaccinated. And this cycle of virus continues to grow and still has a host. And the more replications a virus has, the more apt it is to create a variant. And so the key is rapid and complete vaccination of the population, which then gives the virus no vector to replicate. And then it ends. And then as we go forward with the COVID vaccine, guess what? We're not going to get COVID anymore, just like with chickenpox or the MMR. The reason those have worked is because everybody got them. And so this is actually the point that I'm making that he's actually should be agreeing with. (laughs) If only enough people get it, that will solve the problem. And I will also say that the chickenpox vaccine and the MMR weren't given in a time of a deadly pandemic. And I believe that if there was a measles vaccine given during a time of a deadly measles pandemic, that there would be breakthrough cases and variants even of the measles. But because it was given, it was given thoroughly, and it was given to the huge number of the population, we do not see those very much anymore. We don't see them not at all, as there's our measles outbreaks that are now starting to occur again because less people are getting immunized. So this point by this pastor is actually making the case for COVID vaccination, not against it. Now, he also ends with, I've prayed about it and I simply don't have peace about it from the Lord that is taking the vaccine. I've learned over the years that if I go against that peace, I usually regret it. And that is always my fallback position as well. I'm never making a claim to anybody or to any of my listeners that they need to do this, um, that they, they have to do this, and that they're morally obligated to do this. They do need to have peace about it in their spirit, but they also need to be informed. And so... I'm trying to take some of these messages from the pastors and bring information to them that might change the way that they look at it a little bit. And so is this vaccine safe? Asks another pastor. He said, I've heard it said that COVID-19 vaccination is safe, but I'm either misreading the data or can't agree when compared to other vaccines. And he's looking through the VAERS database, V-A-E-R-S. It stands for the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And I'm looking at the data from Europe and was curious what was happening there. And the results are just alarming. And so he's bringing to my attention that since the COVID-19 vaccine has started, there have been 6,800 deaths reported on the V-A-E-R-S database. And he said, my tension with this subject is the FDA and CDC seem to be overlooking their own data when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccination. So I need to explain what's happening here. The VAERS reporting system can be is a passive reporting system, meaning that anybody can report to this. It can be family members. It can be the patient themselves. It can be mostly doctors. Anyone can report to this. But they say clearly, and even at the bottom of the report that this pastor sent to me, that there is no cause or effect relationship between what's reported and the vaccine itself. And so that's critically important as we review the data. 
And so what this pastor is referring to and what he's concerned about is that there are number of deaths of people reported who have been given the vaccine. So they have been given a vaccine and they have died. Now, there is not an absolute connection between the vaccine and their death, but what they all have in common is the people who have died have been vaccinated. So let's just run the numbers real quick to kind of put this in perspective for you. So I mentioned that the deaths worldwide is 5 million, but let's just talk about the United States. 750,000 deaths from COVID-19. Now, as of today, 222 million people have been vaccinated. That's about 68% of the population, and we need that number to go up. Now, let's assume, and the research is showing, that the vaccines currently are about 95% effective. But for argument's sake, let's say they're 90% effective, which means that 10% of the people who get the vaccine can still be susceptible. So let's say that happens. Let's say 10% of those 222 million people are still susceptible to, to coronavirus. That would be 22 million people, give or take. Now, let's say of that 22 million people who are susceptible, let's say only a third of them actually get COVID. I think that's a pretty low number, but I'm trying to be conservative. So of those 22 million people, 7.4 million of them get COVID. These are people who have been vaccinated. So 7.4 million people who have been vaccinated can still be susceptible and get COVID-19. Now, of that 7.4 million, the current mortality rate is about 4%, give or take, depending on your population and your age, but let's say 4% for the sake of this argument. 4% of 7.4 million people is 296,000 people. So, of the people who have been vaccinated, statistically, we could say that 296,000 of them will die from COVID-19 even though they have been vaccinated. Now, let's be clear. This, in the VAERS database, is saying that it's about 7,000, where it could be 300,000. So what I'm saying is, is that I don't think that the CDC is, is uh, how does he put it, overlooking their own data. I think they're seeing the data and seeing the vaccine is safe and effective. <laughs> safe and effective. Now, let's be clear. What's killing people is something called SARS, S-A-R-S. It's a respiratory syndrome that attacks the, the cells of your lungs, and you get SARS and other end organ damage from this. And it's the virus that kills people, not the vaccine. The vaccine doesn't have a live virus in it, nor are the complications from the vaccine killing people. It's COVID. And so these People who are reporting to the VAERS website are reporting people who have been vaccinated and who have died, most likely in the middle of a pandemic from COVID-19. <laughs> Hopefully that made sense. They're dying from the virus, but they've also been vaccinated. And so at the very worst, you can say that it's a vaccination failure, that because it's not 100% effective, some people will still be susceptible. But it's not the vaccine that's causing death. Now, you may say, now there's other vaccines and they don't seem to have a death rate connected to them. But first, I will say that those people that died probably also had MMR and all of the other vaccines, but we're not contributing to that. And 
Um, the other vaccines weren't given during a deadly pandemic. It's the deadly pandemic that's actually killing people. It's the virus. And so I want to be very clear to this pastor, as well as to all of us who are listening, that this vaccine is being proven to be safe and effective. Safe and effective, protecting millions and millions of people. We have to look at it from a national and global scale. And when we get that vaccination number up to 75, 80%, we're going to start to see this craziness start to go down. I'm predicting that if we can continue to vaccinate and those who have been unvaccinated have been seeing me in the emergency department <laughs> and because it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, I've been just getting data even from Sanford Health. Uh, my brother is a surgeon through Sanford and sent me data that they um, had 38 patients on ventilators. One of them were vaccinated. 37 of the 38 were unvaccinated. My friends, these are numbers that don't lie. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and this is what I'm seeing in the ER. And people are scared, and people are sick. And the answer is a very safe and efficacious vaccine. I'm going to talk next week about religious exemption. These are other questions that I'm getting from pastors, and I want to address that specifically as well. So please stay tuned. I would love to get your responses to this. I do. I, I, I'm not threatened by them. I'm not insulted by them. I want to hear feedback. And people have been wanting to know because they're hearing it from both sides. And I want to be a trusted voice that you can hear and listen to and reason with. So pushbackculture.org. Please go to my website and leave any feedback that you may have. But we are the ones that get to set the culture. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>